it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin. Today we're doing Chapter 48, First Claiming. Now, quick recap. Uh, previous chapter was basically Rand and Baalzaman having their... Uh, which is the end of the last chapter. Rand and Baalzaman were having their uh, duel up in this fog-type thing. And every time Rand pushed forward, the Heroes of the Horn would push forward. And every time Baalzaman pushed forward, the Shan would push forward. And it was back and forth based upon their decisions. Um, and it kind of ends with Rand doing a sheathing the sword technique in order to goad Baalzaman in. And Baalzaman takes the bait. And while Rand does get injured by the staff that acts more like a spear or lance um rand does manage to get a heart strike blow um on balzaman and then it kind of all fades out so now we're at chapter 48 um we're in min's perspective we haven't had min's perspective in a while um min's heading up the cobblestone street struggling left and right trying to get through all these crowds of people who are white-faced staring at those those that aren't screaming hysterically. And people are running left and right, not sure where they're going. Some of them are shambling around. Um, she's looking for Egwene, Elaine, Nynaeve. All she can see is the Fallman. Um, but there's something pulling her on, like she had a string tied to her. And this is a constant theme in the series, so... Note these things when they pop up, because it's definitely something you want to tuck away for later. So, she looks back once, and she sees the Shanshan ships burning, and that's tongue twister, say Shanshan ships ten times fast. Uh, see the ships burning in the harbor, and she can see a couple flames off the harbor mouth. Um, a lot of squarish vessels, because they're kind of box ship rather than the typical European-style ship. Um, one small ship's beating away from the harbor, and she notices it's the Spray, which is Captain Bale Doman's um, ship. And she doesn't blame him for not waiting any longer, especially after what she had seen. And she was w surprised that he <laughs> remained so long. And uh, she notices that there's a Shan Shan vessel in the harbor not burning, but its towers are black from fires already extinguished. And the ship's creeping towards the harbor mouth. But then a figure on horseback appears around the cliffs skirting the harbor. And it's riding across the water. And her min and, and Min's mouth just poof, pops open. Silver glittered as the figure raised a bow. A streak of silver lanced to the boxy ship. A gleaming line connected bow and ship. With a roar she could hear even at that distance, fire engulfed the fore tower anew, and sailors rushed about the deck. Birgitta Silverbow, folks. That's pretty legit. And because she's technically here from the horn, she's not technically flesh at this point, so... Uh, 
pretty much can do whatever she wants across the water. So that makes sense in that regard. But obviously, if you didn't know what was going on, you would be like, wow. In this case, Min does not know that A, it's Brigitte Silverbow, and B, that it's not a live being. Only has any ideas based around... You know, somebody caused the Shanshin to go flying back and then the ghost type creature, monster person, thingy majigger shows up and goes across water, makes them freak out. And I mean, if I was the Shanshin, I'd be freaking out too, because that would be like, there's a horse on water with a person with the bow and they just shot me with the bow and the arrow bursts into flames on my ship. I'd be freaking out. But some in blinks and then the, the figure's gone. And the ship's still making its way towards the ocean. And she gives herself a shake and begins to climb the street again. She's a little bit too much for the day um, for someone riding a horse across water more than a momentary distraction. You know, so much is happening right now, especially what else everyone else saw in Falmouth. Um, And she's like, well, even if it was Brigitte and her bow and Arthur Hawking, I did see him. I did. Um, and then she gets in front of these tall stone buildings and she stops. She's not sure what she's doing, like what she's doing, what she's going to do, but people are brushing past her if stunned. And then, you know, for some reason, this, the string that's attached to her is tugging her this way. And she's like, this doesn't seem like there's anybody in this house. So most of Falma was out in the streets trying to decide whether they had all gone mad together or what. So she had, heads to the, the house and into the garden behind and there he was. Rand laying sprawled on his back under an oak. His face is pale, his eyes closed. His left hand is gripping a hilt that ended in a foot of blade that appeared to have been melted at the end. His chest rose and fell too slowly, and not with regular rhythm of someone breathing normally. So she takes a deep breath to calm herself, and she went to see what she could do for him. First she got rid of the stub of a blade. He could, burn him. He could hurt himself or her if he started thrashing, so she pries his hand open and winced when the hilt sticks to his palm. She tosses it aside with a grimace, and there's a heron on the hilt that had branded itself onto his hand. But it's obvious to her that it was not what had him lying there unconscious. She's like, how did he happen to get that? Nynaeve can probably put some salve on it or something later. And then, after a little bit of an examination, most custom bruises were not new, not really. The blood had time to dry and crust, and the bruises had started to turn yellow at the edges. But there's a hole burned through his coat on the left side. Opening his coat, she yanks out a shirt and breath whistles through her teeth. There's a wound burned into his side, but it had cauterized itself. And then what shook her was the feel of his flesh. It had the touch of ice. It made the air seem warm. So she grabs his soul. No, I guess before I go into that part. That attack of sheathing the sword that Rand had taken from Baalzaman from the staff is what had this damage. So it like had a burning sensation or something to it. And it literally like entered his side. But simultaneously when it comes out, it cauterizes the, its wound itself. It's weird because stabs are, you know, flat ended. So how that happened, won't know necessarily, but apparently there'd be some sort of channeling or something involved with it or superpower type magical stuff. But she grabs his shoulders and begins to drag him into the house and just is a dead weight hanging there limply. And she comes up with the best terms of endearment for him. Great lummox. 
And she's like, you couldn't be short and light, could you? You have to have all that leg and shoulder. I ought to let you lie out here. She grunts as she gets him in to the house. She struggles up the steps, not trying not to bump him on any more than she could avoid, and pull him inside. Leaving him just within the door, she knuckles the smell of her back, you know, mutters herself about the pattern, and searches around. There's a small bedroom in the back of the house, maybe a servant's room, with a bed piled high with blankets and logs pretty much laid on the hearth. And then she has the blankets thrown back and the fire lit and the lamp outside the bedside table. And then she goes back and grabs Rand, but it's not really a, a small task getting him to the, the rooms quite extraordinarily large though. And then she tries to get him up from the bed, but she manages it with only a little hard breathing and covers him up. And then after a few moments, she sticks a hand into the blanket and she winces. as she shakes her head. The sheets are icy cold. He had no body warmth for the blankets to hold. So she's like, with a little put-upon sigh, and she wriggles under the bed, covers beside him, and she puts his head on her arm. His eyes are still closed, his breathing's ragged, but she thought he would be dead by the time she came back by the time she came back if she left to find Nynaeve. And she's like, he needs an eyes to die, thinking to herself, like, all I can do is try to give him a little warmth. And then for a time, she studies his face, and it was only his face that she saw. And she could never read anyone who was not conscious. But then she starts talking to herself and him. I like older men. I like men with education and wit. I have no interest in farms or sheep or shepherds, especially boy shepherds. But then she sighs and smooths back the hair from his face. And he had silky hair. But then you aren't a shepherd, are you? Not anymore. Light, why did the pattern have to catch me up with you? Why couldn't I have something safe and simple, like being shipwrecked with no food and a dozen hungry Aeolian. Which, I have to say, I did chuckle a few times when I first read that. And I still chuckle, because it's funny. Um, then there's a sound in the hall, and she raises her head as the door opens, and Egwene's standing there, staring at them by the light of the fire the lamp. And all she says is, oh. And Min's cheeks colored, and she's like, why am I behaving like I've done something wrong? Fool. It's like, I, I'm keeping him warm. He is unconscious, and he's as cold as ice. Egwene doesn't come any further into the room. She's like, I, I felt him pulling at me, needing me. Elaine felt it too. I thought it must be something to do with, with what he is, but Nynaeve didn't feel anything. And she, you know, draws a deep, unsteady breath. She's like, Elaine and Nynaeve are getting the horses. We found Bella, you know. Sean Chan left most of their horses behind. But Nynaeve says we should go as soon as we can, and man, you know what he is, don't you? Now? And Min's like, yeah, I know. But she wants to take her arm from under Rand's head, but she can't make herself move. She's like, well, I think I do. Whatever he is, he's hurt, and I can do nothing for him except to keep him warm. Maybe Nynaeve can. And Egwene pops in with like, Min, you know, you do know that I can't marry. He isn't, uh, he isn't safe for any of us. And Min surprisingly comes back with a little bit more ferocious bark than you might expect. And she's like, speak for yourself, she says as she pulls Rand's face against her breast. And he's like, it's like Elaine said, you tossed him aside for the White Tower. What should you care if I pick him up? And Egwene looks at her for a long time. Not at Rand, not even a little bit, just only at Min. And Min felt her face growing hotter and wanted to look away, but she couldn't. Egwene's like, well, I'll bring Nynaeve. 
and walk out of the room, their back straight and their head held high. And Min wants to, you know, call out and go after her, but she just lays there. She's frozen, you know, frustrated and tears sting in her eyes. And she's like, well, it's what it has to be. I know. I read all of them. I don't want to be a part of this. And then she like, Rand's essentially corpse is sitting right there. And she's like, it's all your fault. Well, no, it's not. But you'll pay for it, I think. We're all caught in the, the flies in a spider web. What if I told her there's another woman yet to come, one she doesn't even know? For that matter, what would you think of that, my fine Lord Shepherd? You aren't bad looking at all, but light, I don't even know if I'm the one you'll choose. I don't even know if I want you to choose me. Or will you try to dandle all three of us on your knee? It may not be your fault, Rand Althor, but it isn't fair. And then we have a newcomer. Not Rand Althor, said a musical voice from the door. Luz Theron Telamon, the Dragon Reborn. And Min stared. She was the most beautiful woman Min had ever seen, with pale, smooth skin and long black hair and eyes as dark as night. Her dress was white that would make snow seem dingy, belted in silver. All her jewelry was silver. Min felt herself bristle. What do you mean? Who are you? The woman came to stand over the bed, her movements very graceful. Min felt a stab of envy, even though she had never before envied any woman anything, and smoothed Rand's hair as, as if Min was not there. He doesn't believe yet, I think. He knows, but he does not believe. I have guided his steps, pushed him, pulled him, enticed him. He was always stubborn, but this time I will shape him. Ishamael thinks he controls events, but I do. Her finger brushed Rand's forehead, drawing a mark. Min thought uneasily that it looked like a dragon's vein. Rand stirred, murmuring. The first sound or movement he had made since she found him. Who are you? Min demanded. The woman looked at her, only looked, but she found herself shrinking back into the pillows, clutching Rand to her fiercely. I am called Lanfear, girl. Min's mouth was abruptly so dry she could not have spoken if her life depended on it. One of the Forsaken? No, Light, no! All she could do was shake her head. The denial made Lanfear smile. Loose Theron was and is mine, girl. Tend him well for me until I come for him. And she was gone. Min just gapes. One moment she's there, then she's gone. Min discovering she was hugging Rand's unconscious form tightly, she wished she did not feel as if she wanted him to protect her. And then we're changing perspectives, just for a short bit. And Bayar, with his gaunt face, having a grim purpose, galloped with the sinking sun behind him, never looking back. He had seen all he had to do, or needed to, and all he could with that cursed fog. The Legion was dead, Lord Captain Jeff from Bornhold was dead, and there's only one explanation for that. Dark friends had betrayed them. Dark friends like that parent of the two rivers. That word he had to carry to Dane Bornhall, the Lord Captain's son, with the Children of the Light watching Tarvalin. But he had worse to tell, and none less than Pedron Nile himself. He had to tell him what he had seen in the sky above Falma. He flogs his horse with his reins and never looked back. That's the end of the really short chapter. But, you know, chapter 48, 49, and 50 are pretty short. So, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot there, but 
we do learn a little bit from men about being tugged. Egwene also has this tugged feeling. And it seems, considering the location of where he was. So, Rand's in this random house's backyard garden, just laying there, chilling around. Min feels the pull, goes to him. And then she gets everything that seemingly is where it needs to be, what she needs to use. And then, as she's warming him up, Another person comes in feeling their tug towards Rand. Egwene. And it makes you think, what if the pattern was pulling Min and Egwene, and whichever one got there first could have had their timeline changed or altered? So, if, for example, Egwene had gotten there first, what would have happened? Would Egwene be the one who's like, you know... He's worth it. I'll I'll stay with him. I'll I'll be with him like we were betrothed back in home. And then Min would show up and be kind of like, oh. <laughs> or is it Egwene had to see this in order to kind of sever herself from him? And that's one of those things where we, we honestly might not know. But it's this thing that makes you think, could it have been otherwise or not? And if not, was it there for a purpose of specifically getting men to be protective or envious or not really envious? Uh, maybe a little bit more possessive or jealous, I guess, probably the better word about Rand even though Rand's younger than her. And to get Egwene to kind of be like, okay, and then kind of like cutting off that bridge, at least a little bit from the romantic side of things, not obviously with being friends or whatever. And she didn't even look at Rand once, so it was obviously her and her relationship with men that was what was being put into question. Um, but then the next person that comes and visits, which we'll get to, I guess, in a second, I'll... I'll, I'll jump backwards a little bit then min kind of has her own little monologue and pretty much is acting in a way that is in disbelief about her views for this and everything to be like it's all your fault but it's not really but you know there's another woman involved and I don't even know if you'll pick me. I don't know if I want you to pick me, but maybe you'll try to take all three of us on at the same time. And it's not, your, it may not be really your fault, but it isn't fair. And so we're getting this viewpoint where men's part of the story is kind of coming into play. And it's one of those, I don't know, strange things, but the way the story is written, it gives you kind of a cool concept of how Min's pulled into it. Because if you pay attention to all of Min's interactions with Rand and everything, the words she said, how she reacted to what she saw of her people, and all that stuff, it's it kind of adds up. Okay, never mind. It doesn't kind of add up. It adds up. 
So then we get another person entering the room. And now this is where the other question comes in. This person, who's the most beautiful woman ever, allegedly, um, shows up and is getting kind of up in Rand's business kind of thing. And then Min's kind of getting envious and jealous and whatever, because obviously a good-looking woman shows up and wants a piece of Rand. Obviously, if you like Rand, you're not going to like that. Um, so, you know, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Lanfear. Oh, forsaken. <laughs> but now the thing is, is that how did Lanfear, how did Lanfear know where Rand was? There's a couple explanations I can think of. One. She had him marked with a weave or something that I'm assuming she'd have to reset every once in a while. Or maybe she saw one of the girls go in and was like, hey, I know that girl from hanging out with Rand. And then be like, I'll just follow them. Or three. The pattern pulled Lanfear to Rand. Could the pattern be using Lanfear, one of the Forsaken, to do its job, I guess, if that makes sense. And by doing its job, uh, basically helping Rand grow to get to the point where he'd be able to fight Baalzaman above Falma. Is that something that the pattern could be complicated and playing like this weird 4D chess thing where the Forsaken just happens to know where to go and nobody can know why and all that stuff. Like, I, it seems far-fetched and whatnot, but it's not unimpossible to figure out, obviously. But yeah. So that, that's just it's a theory. It, it may not be a good one. It may be an excellent one. I don't know. I'm not really much of a theory person, but I do like to think about what they could actually be as for details because I'd like to think the pattern is complicated enough to utilize an evil person to essentially get... A character, typically a main character or something, or a support side character or whatever. In this case, a main character. Getting a main character prepped in areas that they didn't realize they needed to have be prepped. And maybe that was the point. Maybe that's, that's what the pattern is trying to do, and that's what the pattern is supposed to do. So... I don't know. I think that would be an interesting way to look at it. She doesn't say anything about, I felt the tugging because, I mean, we had Min say that at the beginning. We had Egwene say that when she showed up and then having Lanfear say it when she showed up would be a little too excessive. Um, Elaine even had it feel that tug. Nynaeve didn't. Um, but I think the difference is, is that out of the women who are playing for Rand's affection, Nynaeve is not one available. Like, not at all. 
Not even the slightest. However, Min, Egwene, Elaine, and Lanfear technically all have some connection relationally to him beyond the normal familiar one. Um, so that, that's, that's my particular view. If you guys have a different one, feel free to let me know. It'd be interesting to see what you guys have to come up with. But, you know, after this, you got Bayar heading to tell the White Cloaks, basically, like, hey, Jeffrey, Lord Captain Jeffrey Bornhold's dead, and a whole a legion is dead as well, and, you know, it's because of these dark friends that, like, Perrin Bara of the Two Rivers. And even going straight to Pedron Nile, pretty crazy. But, well, that's all for the... Uh, episode it's a pretty it's pretty small um like i said these last couple of episodes and chapters are gonna be a little bit smaller because it's more of wrapping up information rather than just creating more and more and more and more because obviously the end of the book is the end of the book you have to read the next book to get that but what'd you guys think do you like how it happened do you think it's romantic, not romantic? Do you think this could get crazy with multiple women vying for Rand's attentions? Or intentions, attentions, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gearing to be a little crazy. And I'm sure you'll notice in the next last couple chapters, uh, we'll have a go little psycho <laughs> in a fun way anyway. But, uh, yeah. So, thanks everybody for hanging out. Um, if you guys want to leave a comment, question, concern, anything like that, um, hate mail, love mail, whatever it is, feel free to get a hold of me at talesofaredarm at gmail.com. And if you would like to reach out on Facebook, you can just reach out at Tales of a Red Arm. If you would like to reach out on Twitter, just Tales of, or at Tales of a Red Arm. And uh, let me know what you guys think. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And I mean, it's it's always fun just hearing from you guys in general. Um, but definitely maybe hear something new, like your theories on Lanfear being tied by the pattern and used by the pattern while she thinks she's using other people. Be 4D chest or 5D chest, be really fun, but. Um, yeah, let me know if you guys have anything fun to talk about. So, I uh, hope you guys will join me for the next episode, episode 49. And uh, we'll see you around the next time. Until then. We drink all night and dance all day And on the girls will send our pay And when we're done then we'll awake To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow young Matt wherever he goes To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall And some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack and the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hog the mags, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark woods first To dance with Jack and the Shadows Here